Today's swapper number is 35%. That's the current amount of flying in the May schedule compared to what was originally planned. We don't need to belabor the point that what's happening in our industry and our airline is unprecedented. I think that's pretty clear to all of us. Today on the show, we're going to talk to SRC Chair Scott Plyler and staff member Megan Neeland, who will help us with a postmortem of the March and April schedules, the impact of the May bidding timeline MOU, and what we can expect in May and even beyond. I'm Amy Robinson. And I'm Kurt Heideman. The last few weeks have been extraordinarily turbulent for our pilots. From the massive wave of cancellations in March, to the debut of the company's hindsight reassignment program, to the changing bidding timeline for May. Scheduling has been front and center for all of us, and there's no end of it in sight. So here's our interview with Scott and Megan talking about the last couple of months, including the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's talk about the history of some of the scheduling mania that's happened over the last four weeks. So in in mid-March, uh, we were approached by crew planning um, because they they had found out we were going to be taking some major reductions um, passed down from network and revenue planning for the April schedule. Unfortunately, we had already bid and been awarded our April schedule, and therefore, um, we had some. We had to figure out a way to get all of those reassigned. Uh, at first, that was we would normally do that via SkySolver, uh, but that's uh, obviously what didn't work very well uh, during the max cancellations of only a few hundred flights, and we were talking about thousands of flights now per day in April. So that was the first issue. And then the second issue was um, that weren't really sure how the May schedules, which hadn't been published yet, were uh, going to be affected as well. So we actually had two separate issues to deal with. One was how do we recover and manage the reassignments in April for the bids that were already out? And then secondarily, and why we had the timeline MOU proposed, was how were we going to manage uh, schedule cuts that were very, very likely to be happening uh, too late in the timeline to get into the May bid packet. Talk a little bit about the company's decision to start with small cuts and then build uh, additional cuts afterwards versus some of the other airlines who made massive cuts up front. Did that help or hurt us? Well, certainly uh, most of the other airlines recognize the situation a little bit sooner because uh, there was cancellations and travel advisories for the international flying, and that was getting shut down just a few weeks prior um, to when Southwest started feeling the effects to their booking. However, the other airlines actually cut their schedules back, you know, 90, 80 to 90%, whereas Southwest continued to try to maintain uh, a level of service um, pretty much at normal for a while. Uh, eventually, they decided they were going to need to make about a 28% cuts, uh, which they instituted for April, and then they started rolling those back into March as well. So, unfortunately, all this happened after our April bid lines uh, had been announced and bid on and awarded. Let's talk a little bit about some of the issues that were happening on the line during that first initial announcement, followed by what happened after that. Well, I can speak to that. Um, 
So it, whenever Southwest has cancellations, it's just it's a harder recovery for our airline because we're point to point. We don't just go from base to an outstation and back. So when when they start rolling these cancellations in, you end up with crews just stranded all over the system. And as you continue to thin it out more and more, your ability to get a crew member from point A to point B becomes more difficult. You end up having to to deadhead them through weird routes. We were starting to see people just sitting at outstations for you know a day or more at a time. Um, and it, a lot of JA was happening because you're, you know, the end of your trip would cancel and you, you couldn't get home. We were just seeing uh, report after report and we started running the numbers ourselves and people were, were moving from one plane to another, again, as part of that, that deadheading process. Because of all the deadheading that was happening, people were having to touch multiple airplanes, meaning multiple crews. Uh, and for anybody who's gotten a call from their chief, they know that uh, that hasn't been a very smooth process either of finding out that you flew with or deadheaded on a flight that had somebody who tested positive or who was under quarantine. So it, it's just, it's exacerbated the, the exposure um, when we really need to be trying to find ways to do the opposite. So the March scheduling adjustments were handled by SkySolver for the most part, is that correct? Yes, it, generally the uh, the day of and short notice, you know, within a week are done via SkySolver. And I think it's worth pointing out that SkySolver uh, has its problems to begin with, with a full schedule. But as the schedule gets cut more and more, and we go from, say, eight or 10 flights a day in a market down to just a couple, it has more difficulty uh, building a, a, a good solution. So some of the outcomes tend to be even more egregious to our pilots than what we've experienced in the past. And you're seeing it already where they're having to send you all over the network to get you from one point to the other because there's just fewer flights to work with. And that really is a case our commuters probably see that already. You know, they they may be down to only one or two flights um, to actually make a commute to their base at this point. You know, looking at like a high volume or a high frequency net market like uh, Dallas to Houston, they used to have 22 to 24 flights a day and they're down to uh, five to six flights a day now. So imagine trying to get uh, cover a leg between San Diego and El Paso that's in the middle of the day. We've actually seen this in some examples where you just can't cover a flight from a base with a turn, uh, you know, a deadhead, one deadhead, fly the leg, one deadhead back, it just can't be built. Um, and therefore, the choice is either a two-day in open time or uh, reassigning reassigning a pilot and keeping the same number of duty periods. So then tell us what happened in April. The initial plan was to use SkySolver to handle all of the reassignments going towards the end of March and into the beginning of April. And then the company came to SWAPA with a new program that they had, had been working on since uh, the max cancellations a year ago called Hindsight. And uh, that was going to be used to do uh, the cancellations and reassignments uh, more in mass for pretty much the entire month of April all at once. You said they came to, came to SWAPA with Hindsight. What exactly was it supposed to do or what was the, the, the thought process behind it? Well, certainly the thought process behind it was that um, SciSolver hadn't really handled the cancellations uh, the previous April with the max cancellations where there was probably about 200 flights a day. Uh, and it wasn't handling those very well, uh, even with almost a full network to play with. Uh, we were seeing a lot of deadheads, 
um, a lot of deadheads to overnights and a deadhead again. Um, it it didn't it wasn't really the right tool for uh, mass cancellations like that. And when we're talking about a 28% cut, that's about a thousand flights a day. That was what the initial talks were. So um, the problems with SkySolver and not being able to do those until closer in, uh, they were trying to find a product that would do do something better where it would take anybody that would have been ingested in the SkySolver to begin with, but do it much further out and do it uh, much more holistically um, instead of using the optimization that SkySolver has, which is a different logic. Um, they were basically going to try to uh, take the pieces of the schedule uh, that were affected, put them back into their pairing generation process, the DPoS, uh, which is the same one they use for the bid lines, and create new pairings that were much more efficient using bid line parameters. Uh, that would hopefully be reducing uh, the number of deadheads, doing, uh, uh, reducing the number of duty periods was really a, a big selling point for this uh, so that we have less exposure and less pilots just being uh, inefficiently used on a much smaller schedule. The other thing I was going to say was I know that originally the plan was to keep the footprint of the initial trip intact. Um, did it did it do that? Did it accomplish that? That was something that we brought up right away is we have commuter concerns uh, trying to get get to and from their pairings that they've bid on and they've traded into on purpose. When we did the math, it was actually 48% of hindsight pairings violated the, the footprint in some way. So that was one of the, the biggest issues that we were seeing almost immediately uh, after the hindsight solution was implemented. I'd also like to, to point out too, I, I know, or I'd heard that um, you guys spent, I want to say almost what, 48 hours working with the company on trying to find solutions to some of the issues, correct? Between the time that uh, we became notified that hindsight was an actual thing uh, and the time that they implemented it on April 1st, we had uh, certainly, uh, multiple discussions with them talking about, you know, the footprints of the pairing, uh, distribution of cancellations, who gets reassigned what, uh, AM, PM, circadian shifts, which, you know, many of these things are, are what we've already been emphasizing uh, with SkySolver. Um, and this just at, you know, created a whole other level of, uh, of uncertainty about how it was actually going to be, be implemented. And we were watching pretty much throughout the night when they uh, implemented Hindsight. So we, we took a snapshot of the before and then we took a snapshot of the after. And to your point, Amy, there was a, a good two to three days where it was just constant back and forth with members, with the company, um, trying to determine, okay, what were all the, the issues that, that went wrong um, and what are we going to do to to remedy this? And I think it's important to emphasize that we did we did realize there might be some issues. Um, you know, imagine that a big new tech project that's never been tried before, uh, and that's why we took the snapshots before and after, uh, mainly so that we could uh, you know we could do analysis of it, but also so that we could protect pilots' original pay, um, which. Even as of now, two weeks later, we're still fighting over how pairing pay gets tracked as it um, as pilots continue to get reassigned with additional schedule cuts and pilots trade the pairings to other other pilots as well. 
honestly, we, we were talking about that with the company, how they were going to track it, because it's ultimately their job to track our pay. And uh, we still don't have really clear answers on how they intend to uh, to do that. So I'm going to fall on SWAPA to make sure that uh, your pay is protected. So with all these hindsight adjustments in April, does that mean we have to deal with SkySolver solutions too? Or uh, are we going to have to deal with both? And tell us about May as well. Certainly you have day of operational issues that require the use of SkySolver, and that's nothing new to, to us or our pilots. Um, but what we wind up having problems with is you make a large-scale solution with hindsight, uh, and then network and revenue planning change their minds about how they want to do things. They institute an additional, you know, thousand flights a day cut, and that kind of kind of takes away any of the benefits that you would have had uh, with a hindsight solution, except for the fact that there's less duty periods to begin with. Um, that's really the only positive that you get uh, once network planning decides they're going to make in another make even further schedule cuts, which is what we saw in April as well. It started with a 28% cut, which got incorporated to hindsight, but then it turned into a 50% cut by the back end of April. And uh, unfortunately, we're seeing that happen yet again uh, in May. Uh, we even gave them an extension to try to you know, incorporate any additional revenue considerations um, they actually made two separate cuts after the initial deadline uh, for the bids. Um, they were able to capture those with the MOU delay. Uh, but as soon as they, were, they published the bid lines, network and revenue decided they were going to cut an additional 50, an additional 500 flights uh, from the May schedules after we even had the bid package out. Walk us through the timeline on that a little bit. I think that's kind of an important thing for, for the pilots to recognize and, and hear. The whole idea of um, delaying the the May bid packets was because it was becoming very clear that that SkySolver and Hindsight um, they're they're not the strongest tools, I guess, to recover for our crews and our counterparts at the company were were wanting to give them a better bid. You know, um, that's hard to do until you have your final network schedule, and they weren't going to have it with much time to to build a quality bid, which is why we we were went through this whole process of um, of delaying the bid altogether, um, which it, it took a, a lot of uh, back and forth with the board and with the members on the pros and cons. But ultimately, the the goal was to um, to reduce work days, to mitigate virus exposure, and uh, there was a really healthy spread of line guarantee that came out of that as well. Um, so there was you know the pay for our crews, and then there was the the goodwill of not just giving everybody a bunch of reserve blocks and, um, and and not giving them more days off. Scott, talk about the decision that SWAPA made not to extend the timeline after the May MOU. Uh, the company came to SWAPA and asked that they asked if we could extend it. Uh, I know the flight attendants did, but our board of directors declined that uh, request. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, certainly. Um... Our bid lines were already out and they were due to close on Wednesday at noon. On uh, Monday evening, we were approached um, by crew planning because they had found out from network planning that a new schedule was about to come out uh, with drastically reduced flights for May. 
Um, so we kind of researched how we would go about doing doing a rebid. We heard that the flight attendants had already uh, were already in negotiations for that, and ultimately they did agree to it. Um, looking over our timeline, uh, we really didn't see that we had a whole lot of options to do a even further reduced timeline with a first round and then a blank line bid. Uh, we did see that we could possibly do a single round bid. And since we have no training polls and uh, vacation polls were probably going to be significantly down, we might have been able to pull that one off. Unfortunately, we also had issues of uh, we had already put the bid lines out. A lot of pilots had already bid and thought that they were done. So um, ultimately, the board thought it was a too big of a calm issue to overcome trying to get all the pilots um, back on board. Um, plus the fact they felt that they had already uh, allowed the company to do what they needed to do and they were willing to uh, accept um, accept the reassignments for May. And there's also the uncertainty that it might not change again. And I know that's a sticking point for a lot of people. There's also the point that, uh, yeah, the, the schedule keeps changing. And even though the, the new, new, new May schedule is down to about 30% of what our normal is, again, most other airlines are at um, only 10 to 20% of their, their standard schedule. So there's still probably room for the, the schedule to be adjusted down even further for May. So network planning is basically responsible for handling the uh, departure and arrival times across the system. And then they hand that off to crew planning, who sort of stitch all of that together and build our pairings from that. Is that right? Yeah. So you have, you have uh, different sides of the house. Uh, so network planning and revenue management, they're the ones that are um, analyzing you know, ticket bookings and profitable routes. And so they build you know, the, where the aircrafts go, essentially, um, where we want to go in our point-to-point process. Once they put that plan together, that gets hand off to the crew planning side of the house. And they're the ones that build our schedule. They have some input to the network folks on, uh, you know, hey, if you could do this and this, that that would help us build better pairings. Um, but it, it's mostly a customer driven uh, decision making process on the, the network side, if that makes sense. So the same way that our pilots get whipsawed from all these last minute schedule changes, is that the same thing that happens uh, to crew planning when network planning uh, drops last minute changes on them? That's exactly what the situation is. And that that's really why we were trying to put, why the timeline memo you for May uh, seemed like it was so important because we knew there was going to be a major change to the schedule but they hadn't quite announced it yet. It hadn't been published to crew planning and they knew that crew planning knew they weren't going to have time to build, to build a quality schedule. So the choice was either, um, either go ahead and build a schedule with a lot more duty periods and a lot more flying than we knew was actually going to fly and have pilots build basically bid on a sham of a schedule, knowing full well, we were going to have to reassign everything anyway, or, try to get a delay um, and get an extra week to be able to incorporate those changes and build a better product with less duty periods, actually more line guarantee. Um, and then pilots would know what they were what they were bidding for. So now we're basically kind of back to where we were with the April schedule, which had already been built. 
And once they made the, you know, thousand to 2000 flight cuts for April, we already had the schedule. Now, what do you do with it? You have two choices. Honestly, you can either do Sky Solver, uh, which we already know doesn't work very well for mass cancellations, or um, the route the company chose was to try to implement Hindsight, which, uh, which had some really good goals and we had good results on the reduction of duty periods, but they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. They didn't want to be doing SkySolver all month long, and uh, Swapa agrees that that's not the best option, but uh, Hindsight still uh, wasn't quite ready for prime time at that point. I will say, kind of going back to the fact that we delayed the bid for May, is they've been able to compress the workdays so much um, by having that extra week to build those lines that at least it's a smaller footprint uh, this time around in terms of the cleanup. And so we're trying to study you know, the cancellations and see if this is going to be a little bit cleaner than it was in previous times. So what's your guess is what June's going to look like at this point? At this point for June, it sounds like they're down to the about a 2,000 flights per day level. But honestly, it's probably going to get cut again. And... It should probably be cut even a lot deeper than May. Uh, the big the big issue is is cutting the schedule is a lot harder for crew planning and crew scheduling and our crews to handle than having a reduced a very severely reduced schedule to begin with and then adding the flights back. It is a lot easier to add flights back in if they start to see the revenue and the bookings uh, hold and start to pick up than it is to wait until the last minute and make all these mass cancellations. It, it would actually be more cost effective um, and expose our pilots to a lot less uh, reassignments and, and a lot less COVID exposure if they would just cut the schedule completely, pretty much like every other airline has done. We want to thank Scott and Megan for taking the time to talk to us. There are a lot of rumors and bad information out there, but what you've heard comes straight from our subject matter experts. While the whole industry is struggling, Southwest has its own unique problems to contend with. Our point-to-point -point system, the stair-stepped weekly decisions to cut greater chunks of the schedule, and the sheer volume of cancellations and the changes to our network schedule have created enormous challenges. As always, we want to hear from you, our listeners. So drop us a line at com at swapa.org and let us know what you liked and what you didn't. And finally, today's bonus number is 69%. That's the number of May hardlines that pay more than 40 TFP in line guarantee. Nobody can predict what's next, but rest assured SWAPA and all of our SMEs like Scott and Megan are working tirelessly to protect our pilots and help Southwest navigate this unprecedented time in history. Southwest 40, 41 to right, 6 left. Please land, 1-3 right, Southwest 40.